What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast. We are here live at the Health 2.0 Summit. And I am getting ready to talk to Tanvi Abi, who is the co-founder of Veda Health. Welcome. Thank you, Aaron. So, um, one, I appreciate you doing this a little bit on the fly because a lot of times we try to give people plenty of time to prep and we caught you sort of, uh, you know, semi real time. Um, we did get a chance to talk for a few minutes to give you some uh, chance to prepare for some of the uh, upfront stuff. but. The story arc of what I like to cover in these is, you know, learning a little more about where you came from, what you're focused on now, maybe getting a couple of your insights on where the industry is going, and then we do some fun sort of more personal questions, which I made sure you had at least 10 minutes before we get started. So uh, I think what's interesting about you, and then I want to get into what Veda Health is, it looks like you had a bit of a innovation sort of background. You were at Endeavor.org. And then you also worked at the uh, at the Initiatives for Development Foundation in Bangalore before founding your own company. And most founders are innovative by nature. But let's talk a little bit about that. And where did that sort of initial bug come from? Was that something you grew up with? Was it a parent or a aunt, uncle, brother, sister that sort of helped you realize that you were going to be someone focused on innovation? That's a great question, Aaron. Um, if you had asked me, I probably wouldn't have said that uh, I'm someone who has an innovation background, um, but really looking at um, how we solve challenges at a systemic level. Um, my father is an entrepreneur. My brother uh, was also an entrepreneur, my husband. So um, coming from uh, a big family of, of folks who are used to going out on their own to tackle different challenges. Uh, but really, I would say the thread that binds all of that is not about uh, entrepreneurship per se, but about um, delivering value and, and solving problems. Um, I came to it uh, really from uh, economic development perspective uh, and a social impact perspective. So I um, had a long-standing interest in international development uh, and through a number of experiences um, became interested in entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship uh, as a lens to really impact change at scale. So you're, you're correct, I was part of the founding team under Initiatives for Development Foundation for social enterprise uh, to support female artisans and um, you know really give them both the skills and mar market connectivity to uh, better support their families and their communities. And, and from there, um, looking at how to do that uh, at greater scale uh, during my time at Endeavor, uh, which is an organization that fosters entrepreneurship primarily in emerging and growth markets, uh, with the thesis that you can affect uh, economic change and development by uh, growing companies and small and medium-sized enterprises into large companies through employment, inspiration, et cetera. Well, it's fascinating from a background perspective. And then fast forward to 2016, you started Veda Health. Uh, and so just doing a quick little search on this that you guys really are looking at how you can use technology to solve some of these big challenges in healthcare. And we know that we have plenty, although I'd, I'd say that the world has never been more ready for some of these things. And in particular, you know, healthcare delivery and wellness management for uh, 
in a seamlessly integrated way for folks suffering from chronic conditions. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you all are different from others and what gave you that idea. I, I guess that's a little bit obvious in the fact that we know we need a better experience, right? But was there a particular instance or something that said to you, this is what we have to do and I'm going to find a company to, to focus on it? Absolutely. So I was at a kind of pivotal moment in my career and looking at um, you know, what to do next and, and how do we really um, impact, as I mentioned, change at scale. And I, I sat down with my co-founder, who's actually a friend of mine from both middle and high school. Um, and she's a doctor, uh, no longer practicing, but she was in radiology, Dr. Nora Zetcha. And we were talking about some of the challenges that she faced day to day in her practicing. And it was really around this very paternalistic approach to medicine. And um, it was a very clear need that we needed better ways to empower patients uh, and to drive transparency throughout the care journey and the care experience. And, and this is something that we were both touched with personally with family members um, as well. So it is very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, so in, in talking through some of the challenges she was facing, uh, we came up with the concept for Veda Health, which we had a different name for at the time, um, and really wanted to capitalize on this uh, trend of more connectedness um, in the world, not not necessarily in the world of healthcare, but as we move into um, a technology experience that is always at our fingertips. How do we actually move healthcare along to have an experience that's akin to how we experience everything else in our life with, from all of our consumer experiences and in, in retail and financial services? Um, why should it be any different in health? So we started the company on the premise of really remote patient monitoring. So connected devices, we integrated with a provider that offers uh, connectivity to over 400 consumer wearables um, and realized that you know, it's actually so much richer than just the device connectivity. Um, and the company has evolved really to meet um, patient and provider needs through that lens. So totally makes sense. And I know we're going to talk about the panel that you did earlier that talked a little bit about technology throughout the patient journey. How do we prevent the potential for letting technology get in the middle of that patient and physician experience? Because I think that is one of the things that people fear. Uh, I think we still have a long way to go to actually add more technology into the mix. But I know that is one of the concerns is like there is that element of the humanness and being able to use eyes and ears to really go along with all of the other data that you can now get and, and sort of the seamless integration uh, that you talked about earlier. Absolutely. It's a major concern about how we use technology and we're seeing the, um, the repercussions of that in, in other industries and I, I don't expect technology to be any different. Um, but really for us the focus is not about replacing the clinician-patient interaction um, but enhancing it through technology. Patients you know, spend anywhere between 90 and 99 percent of their time outside of a clinical setting and we have in this country today, over 120 million patients with chronic illness, 27% of, of kids, pediatric patients, have a chronic illness, and we know that we need to do better. So what do we do with that, that amount of time, that 90% of time, they're not in the clinical setting, and how do we support them? Um, so the, 
the goal of Veda Health and the aim of, of the technology we built is really to amplify the care experience, to bring family members into the fold of health management, to arm clinicians with the information that they need to better care for patients so that when they are actually in that one-on-one -on -one visit or doing a discharge, they can focus on the patient because they're not focused on gathering all of that information that informs the care. So one follow-up to that, I think one of the issues is we have all this data now, and one of the complaints, and I was talking to Steve Rettling from HIMSS about this earlier, that, you know, there is a convergence. There's, we could be so smart, but like, as an example, when you go and have to fill out forms, sometimes you feel like you're filling out forms in quadruplicate, and then, you know, one system doesn't talk to the other. Like, how do we... What are some steps that we could take to start to overcome that? And maybe that's a place where Veda is coming in to say, look, we already have a lot of what we need. So it's access, it's you know, bringing the, the experience together, helping the physician or the nurse practitioner better understand. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I have two, two areas I want to touch on in response to that, Aaron. The first is around uh, one of the points you made, which, which is, has to do with interoperability. So for us, any solution that's being brought into a clinical setting, um, the EMR is at the center of it. That's going to continue to be the case always and forever, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, so any solutions that are brought into the clinical context have to interact with the EMR in a way that's not just about data capture, but it's about um, reducing the tedium of care management and clinical workflows. And so the second part I want to touch on is really about um, that kind of real-time responsiveness to patients. You know, we gather so much data in, in the world we live in today and in healthcare in particular, as you mentioned, through these forms and questionnaires, uh, but it tends to be static data. And, and I would say in the last few years with certain population health systems, we've done a better job at interpreting that data and moving patients into different cohorts. Uh, but what's really missing and where we really play as a company is taking that data and making it actionable and then giving those feedback loops and that, those real-time indicators to clinicians and to patients to move them through their care journeys. So thank you. That, that, was, uh, that was a great answer. And I want to talk now a little bit about sort of what we referenced before, and that is technology throughout the patient journey. If you give us like maybe a little 90-second uh, overview of what you guys talked about earlier today. So I was on a panel with a number of great companies uh, where we demoed our solutions um, for the, the Health 2.0 conference. And the topic, as you said, was... Uh, around the longitudinal patient journey and, and how do we really support patients in different ways throughout their care journey. So for us at Veda Health, we offer protocol-based care pathways. Um, I know that sounds like a mouthful, uh, but really based on the premise that there are a number of steps that we can take to contextualize care for patients at various stages in their healthcare experiences, and also to elicit information from them and give them the resources and tools they need to not only manage their health better, but really foundationally understand what uh, what it means um, to have heart failure or COPD or asthma or anything else and, and what they can expect over the long term. Um, 
We offer a both patient and provider facing interface uh, that is EMR integrated in order to accompany patients when they're not directly in a clinical setting. Um, and we use these protocols and the evidence gathered through these protocols. So the patient generated data through wearables, through assessments, uh, questionnaires, health logs, along with the clinician generated data, which is tracking interventions and outcomes uh, to inform these protocols to really use an evidence-based medicine approach and say, hey, we know this is working, so we need to apply this uh, at scale for our patient population of heart failure patients or asthma pa patients, but also to be able to drill down on the nuances of individual patients and patient groups, because what's right for me may not be what's right for you. So I'm sorry that I missed that because it sounds fascinating. Uh, I would like to get your opinion as someone that has clearly thought a lot about this, and one of the things I'm asking a lot of the interviewees today uh, Looking five years out, you know, we've probably touched on some of these already, but uh, where do you see the industry headed and how is technology maybe beyond what we can see today going to help impact the healthcare system? So the challenge in healthcare is that we have to be able to envision the future, but also deal with the reality that we have today. Um, and I know that this is something I personally spend a lot of time thinking about uh, as well as, as colleagues in the space. Um, we started Beta Health under the premise that connected devices were going to move the needle on how we experience health. And in our first engagement, it became very clear very quickly uh, with the Medicare patients we were working with that you know, a Fitbit or a smart scale was just out of the realm of possibility. And I, I do firmly believe that we will move to a place where these devices are ubiquitous, but that's not the reality of where we are today. And as we think five years out, I think we'll see greater adoption of these devices as uh, we move more to value-based payment systems where uh, payers are more incentivized as well. These devices will become um, better available to broader patient populations and I think we'll see more and more sensors in the homes and in the cars and we'll be able to leverage that data um, but it, it's going to be a journey and and we have to make sure that whatever we are building today not only can cater to the future uh, but also deal with the realities of, of today so uh, to that end, at Veda Health, we've implemented multi-channel engagement strategies and behavior-based engagement strategies to uh, reach patients through SMS and email and apps and um, devices and, and non-smart devices. So um, there's, a, there's a multitude of, of things we can do. So related to that, last week, Apple, and by the time people hear this, it probably a few weeks back, made the announcement that they had clearance, um, not approval, for their new watches to collect uh, EKG data and to use that. So similar to what you're talking about, this feels a little bit like a breakthrough. Did you have an initial reaction to this is meaningful or this is just a, you know, puffery in terms of a consumer company trying to be more important than it actually is? We are big fans of the work that uh, Apple is doing, particularly in health. And I think what we've seen is it's been very challenging to bridge that health gap and, and wellness um, and, and bring those two together. And you know, to that end, uh, Apple is certainly pioneering the space. Um, for us, it's not about any single device. It's about the interaction of all of the disparate things that we um, have in our life, whether that's devices or... or um, uh, other f 
factors like family support or um, health logs or assessments. Um, but it's an important first step forward for the industry as we think about uh, the how ubiquitous Apple Watches are. Um, I also want to comment that for us uh, at Veda Health, we really believe in that clinician-patient interaction. Um, so while the consumer wearables are, are a hugely important aspect of uh, how we'll experience health in the years to come, uh, making sure that these are clinically driven, clinically validated um, interactions is, is extremely important. Thank you. Uh, this is where we get to shift to something a little more light and a little more personal. <laughs> and these are the three questions I like to ask all of our guests. And uh, you did a little homework right before we get started, so I appreciated that. So the first question is, uh, I like to ask guests to tell something about themselves that people might not know about that they're willing to share. So I, I struggled in thinking through this one. Um, something that I can pull from my past is I uh, have a certification equivalent to a bachelor's degree in an Indian classical dance, uh, which I haven't pulled out in, in a number of years, but um, that was something I spent a lot of time on in my youth. Um, and I, I think the other one that is maybe a little bit more interesting or, or pertinent to uh, my business life today is, you know, I've, I've always wanted a very large family. Um, I have a son that's 15 months old now, and my husband runs a software business. So um, that has been a fun, fun thing to navigate over the last year. Thank you for sharing those. I like both of those. Um, next question is just help some of our listeners to become better readers to help build their library. But I like to ask guests to share a book or two that they've read or listened to over the last year or two that inspired them a little bit or made them think differently? So I um, am in the middle of uh, Leaders Eat Last right now, which um, as we are growing our team has given me a lot of kind of thoughts and ideas on how um, to, to better manage, to better lead. Um, I heard a, a quote recently that you want to hire leaders in your organization, not managers, and, and that's certainly underscored by the themes in this book. Um, and then the second one I'll mention is uh, Masters of Scale, which is not a book, but a podcast uh, that I've also been a big fan of. And tell us a little bit more about that. I think the title probably is explanatory yep. or so self-explanatory. It's, uh, Reed Hoffman interviewing a number of different founders uh, about their startup experiences and their journeys from you know, Facebook to uh, Airbnb and another of a uh, number of other organizations, which is kind of cool because Reed is the CEO or founder of uh, LinkedIn, yep, and yep. I would argue they've done a few. He's done a few good things and a few Absolutely. things right. And so. I actually was drawn to it because um, there was a, a session or a, a podcast um, in the series on the founder of Endeavor, which is the organization I was with prior to that, which Reed also sits on the board of. Oh, very cool. I like the podcast one, and I may even steal that and incorporate that <laughs> in because I think for me personally, like I do listen to audiobooks. It's hard. I have three kids and a full-time job like we all do, right? But uh, I do listen to a lot of podcasts driving. And so maybe finding that mix of the book and the podcast would be a good one. That way we can get people listening and uh, reading. Absolutely. Um, last question is album. You're stuck on a deserted island. You can only take one with you. What would it be and why? Well, I hope there are some good speakers there. Um, and I have to say, I'm kind of more in the age of, of Spotify Pandora. So uh, my album would be a playlist. Uh, there's one on, on Spotify I really love called Weekend Hangouts, 
which um, really is true to its name, weekend hangouts, relaxing music. Well, I like the theme because I know sometimes people do try to cop out with a Pandora, you know, sort of artist or, or song that inspires it or a Spotify playlist, but I like that and I agree with you. Um, we don't make albums quite as much anymore, <laughs> right? And so it's harder if you didn't grow up in the time of albums to reach back in. I did, uh, I did. My my first was Britney Spears, but uh, I'm fully on the Spotify <laughs> boat now. I gotcha. Uh, that's funny. So, you know, and always good to get a little plug in for Britney. Um, well, anyway, this has been a pleasure. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What to Know podcast. And I uh, just spent the last 25 minutes speaking to Tanvi Abi, who is the co-founder of Veda Health. Thank you so much for not only doing this, but also doing this a little bit without a safety net and doing a amazing job. Thank you so much, Aaron. Appreciate it. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.